You're listening to the Morning Punch and Show with RBNJ live and direct for more cities and at Instagram models bio. Get ready for some boxing talk on the clock. Let's face it, you're not working and somebody's got to pay for the Wi-Fi. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. This is RBNJ and this is the Morning Punch and Show's most unpredictable, unscripted but always real morning boxing talk show in the game. Today is Monday, December 11th, 2017. Let me properly introduce my partner in crime, creator and founder of badculture.net, contributor for Black Sports Online, Jay LaBeouf. What's good, Jay? What's good, RB? We live this Monday. We live this Monday. Good morning and happy Monday, everybody. Glad to be back after taking last week off to discuss a very, very busy fight weekend. Coming up this week, the action continues. I'll have a chance to chat with La Magina this week, a.k.a. Lucas Matisse, who will be returning to the ring on January 27th. So make sure you look for that on BoxingInsider.com. He's going to be fighting Tewa Kira for the vacant WBA, WBA welterweight championship belt here in Inglewood in my backyard. So we got that coming up. We got a great show coming up today and just lots of boxing talk on the clock. What's good with you, Barbie? Well, I was in New York for the big Lomachenko-Rigadal fight, um, so that was exciting. Got to catch up with a lot of our media friends out there, so that was nice. Ran into Lance Pugmire and Coppinger and a bunch of other guys. Things got a little crazy out there, but all good. Um, that's it, man. Still in Philly. It was snowing out here. It's uh, new for me, but I'm uh, looking mm. forward to today's show. You good? You good for that snow, girl? I couldn't do it. I looked at everybody's videos from New York on Instagram and the pictures, and it looks pretty, but it looked pretty good from inside my house. That's it's too cold. I can't do it. Ooh, cold. <laughs> you, girl. I'm not building. Yeah, yeah. Well, there were a lot of fights last week, this past week, and we want to recap them all as authentically and as unbiased as we can, calling it straight down the middle like we do here. And let's start Friday day on Fox Sports 1 from Miami. Former world champion Pascal stopped the unbeaten mm-hmm. Ahmed Elabali in round six of the mm-hmm. main event. Wow. That, uh, that's all I can say about this fight. John Pascal, going into this fight, for those of you who listen to this show, you're diehards like we are. And I know you've seen Ahmed Elabali on ESPN on Friday night fights, just steamrolling through people. And it looked like he was going to be anointed to be the next big thing coming up in the light heavyweight division. To see John Pascal, and it's no shade to John Pascal, just he's past prime, as all fighters get at some point in their career. To see John Pascal taking some punishment in those early rounds and regroup and recap and come back strong and just kind of batter Elbiali down into submission. That was not the outcome I expected. So kudos to John Pascal, who Mm. gets to retire on his own terms with a win on his record. But where does Elviali go from here? Because he just looked to be one of those guys like like Artur Better. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh, Jay, you there? I can't hear Jay. I think we lost her. Jay, you there?
Hang on, guys. Coming back. <laughs> Technical difficulties. What the hell? Good morning. Hello? I'm back. Good morning. Okay. I'm back. Can you hear me? Yeah. Are we live? We live, baby. I man, Ahmed El Viali did not like my assessment of his fight, <laughs> apparently, against John Pascal. Did not start the whole damn blog talk this morning. But it was it was. I expected this guy. I don't know what the last thing was you guys heard me say, but this kid was expected to continue his rise through the ranks in dominant fashion after we saw him knock out person after person after person on Friday night fights. He stepped up for that Pascal work. Pascal is past prime, but Pascal is a past champion, and he came up a little short or a lot short because it was a stoppage. Well, here's my real question, not where does he go, but where does Pascal go? I mean, I know he said that was his last fight, you know, and we so rarely see a fighter end on a high note. You know what I mean? Like We really don't see a fighter walk away with a win like this. So, you don't think Pascal's going to itch to come back for, like, one last big fight in Canada or something? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. No yeah. doubt. I could see him doing another fight against, like, Lucien Boutte or something like that. I could totally see him doing at least one more fight. He probably wasn't expecting to – well, let me not say that because if you don't expect to win, you shouldn't fight. But maybe he – maybe. I, I just don't see I, – I agree with you. I, I see he could pop back. Yeah. Well, well, on the undercard, Brian Perella, he earned a unanimous decision over Alex Martin. Steve Fulton from Philly defeated Adam Lopez. But the real story on the undercard was Luis Ortiz scored a second-round knockout over Daniel Mars. And then afterwards, there was this big trade of words like WWF, Luis Ortiz, and Deontay Wilder. Tell us what happened there, Jay. These, these these guys were pitching a promo, like you said, like WWE. Luis Ortiz folds up the FedEx guy in the ring and then immediately goes to the side of the ring where Deontay Wilder is on the commentary desk to call him out off slobbering, hanging over the rope. But what was really funny before Wilder actually got in the ring is the fact that he was on Instagram doing Instagram um, story videos of Luis Ortiz hanging over the ring. And if you were on his, it's probably gone away now. Deontay Wilder's instant stories from that perspective are so hilarious to see Ortiz hanging over the rope. Oh. So then Wilder jumps in the ring and they exchange words like we forgot that Ortiz just all this fake indignation. Yeah, you're I wish he would quit playing with us again, with all Jay. this fake indignation. We know you popped positive. Boo. Boo. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Let's, uh, how's that? Am I better now? Yeah, much better now. Uh, so, yeah, I, I didn't watch the fight. I saw the highlights. I feel really bad for that guy, Daniel Mars. I don't know where they found him from. Uh, it, it was quite embarrassing. I don't even know who paid for that fight. Hopefully nobody paid for it. I hope Luis Ortiz fought for free. Hopefully Daniel Mars made, some, <laughs> you know, made a couple coins there. 
but it was Hopefully. embarrassing. And, of course, the fight we're going to see next is Wilder Ortiz. And you know what? I'm just not that hype about it. I'm not going to really talk either. about it. I mean, Ortiz messed it up the first time, and we knew we weren't yeah. going to get Wilder Joshua next. And, you know, it's just a bunch right. of shit. So, it anyway. Is. It is. Yeah. Let, let's move on to Saturday on Showtime. They gave us a stream from London. Mega, mega upset. Caleb Truax rocked James DeGill for the IBS belt in a shocker. Truax was a major, major underdog. He got the 12-round majority decision. He was a 41-to-1 underdog, Jay. That's crazy. Caleb Truax, you know... I know who Caleb Truax is, mostly through social media. I've seen a couple of his fights. But he was stepping in against James DeGale, like you said, a heavy, heavy underdog. And apparently he didn't get the email that he was supposed to be the heavy underdog. In the post-fight interview, he said that he watched the fight of James DeGale versus Badu Jack over and over and over. And he studied that fight. And he looked at what James DeGale did poorly in that fight. And he took advantage of it. He fought with all heart, all gristle, and he did what he needed to do on the road. And I love a good Mm. road warrior underdog story. So shout out to Caleb Truex. Whether you like him or not, that man went in there and got it done. You know, it was so emotional, too, the way he threw himself on the ground and just cried. And, you know, you see that glory in these fighters. And I'm glad that they got it right because so often we see glory taken away from fighters. And we'll talk about the HBO card here next. But good for Truax. You know, he did say before the fight, they were all talking about DeGale's next opponent, where he was going to fight, how much he was going to make, who he was going to fight. It was David Benavidez and this one and that one. Mm -hmm. And Truax was like, I want all them guys now. Everything that DeGale was supposed to get beating me, I want those guys now. I want those paychecks. I want those purses. I want those opportunities. And I hope Al Heyman does it for them. I hope everything that they were going to do for James DeGale, I hope they do it for Caleb Truax. I agree. I agree. Hey, that man just did the what many consider to be impossible. You know, as we usually do, I did my little last-minute Twitter predictions. There was nobody Right for Truax in that fight. And anybody who says they were is a lion. Wasn't nobody yeah. riding for Caleb in that fight. So shout out to him. Yeah. You know, I did reach out to him yesterday because I wanted him to come on our show this morning. And he really wanted to. But he's still in London. And he doesn't get home until Wednesday. So I said, hey, well, join us next Monday. And he was like, bet, all okay. good. I'd be on. So next Monday morning, we'll have Caleb Truax on. And uh, I want to know more about behind the scenes. How was he being treated out there as the underdog? And, you know, I want to get all that good stuff. Shoot, I wish I was going to the the party when he lands on Wednesday. That party is going to be lit. (laughs) In in Minnesota. Good for Look, Minnesota got themselves a chance. That's what's up. So Saturday, let's, let's keep it rolling on HBO from Las Vegas. Uh, the card opened up with Francisco Vargas got a technical unanimous decision win against Steven Swissy Smith in the co-main event. All I saw was, was this kid's ear everywhere oh on my, my timeline. What happened? They were in an exchange, and when they pulled away, I saw half a ear. And there was no Mike Tyson in the ring. I still don't fully understand 
how that how a person's ear just rips in half like that. Mm-hmm. What does it feel like? It looked like he was a Vulcan. The ear, and then when he walked, it was just flapping in the wind. It was so nasty. But at some point during that exchange, his ear tore in half, and he stood there for them to end the fight. They, you know, toweled him off, toweled all that blood off, and he waited. And then he went to the hospital and got it sewn back up again. But Christ Almighty, I've never seen that happen before. Ooh, I don't want to see that again either. Yeah, that was that was a little disturbing. Um, so in the co-feature, that the fight. <laughs> so in the co-feature, Kenichi Agawa went won a split decision over <sighs> Kevin Farmer for the IBF title. Now. Man. This was such a robbery, and I see people Man. on Twitter in this industry are really lame right now. That kid, Kevin Farmer, did not deserve that. He definitely no got doubt. robbed. He deserved the win. I scored it eight to four. I watched it twice. If you want to make it seven five, okay, I'll give you that. But no way did that kid lose the fight. And this is what I meant by stealing a fighter's glory. Nobody deserved that win more than Tevin Farmer on Saturday night. Exactly. Tevin was you eight four, eight four, I think I agree with more of the uh, eight four score. Tevin Farmer, mm. was it the most spectacular performance? No. But he clearly was decisively winning. He was outboxing. He was definitely the better boxer, the more accurate puncher, and he clearly did enough to get the win. And I could see people who make the argument for effective aggression and if uh, his opponent had bigger power shots, there was none of that. There was nothing he was connecting with that was just rocking Tevin Farmer out of the ring where you could justify and say, oh, well, you know, he landed the harder shots. No, Tevin Farmer got jobbed and that's garbage. And actually, you know, I'm not the biggest Jim Lampley person, but he even made notice that Max DeLuca was just screwing up all night. These judges are out of control. Yeah, you know, and it's it's just really, really sad. And you don't have to like Tevin Farmer's style. You don't have to like Tevin Farmer. You don't have to like right. Tevin Farmer's promoter. You ain't got to like his mama. But you know what? The kid won the fight, and it's just so heartbreaking. And I reached out to Tevin, and he is broken. When I say broken, this wow. kid is broken in a million pieces. You know, just for him to get that opportunity, the sacrifices he's had to make, like ma- like many other fighters. But, you know, I tell people the story all the time. When this kid turned pro, he literally fought with holes in his shoes. I mean, that's the bottom that we're talking about that he came from, where when he turned pro, he had holes in his shoes. And over the past couple of years, he's taken a lot of short money. He hasn't been able to get certain fights for whatever reasons, whether it's network, promoter, they just don't like him, he's not marketable, yada, yada, yada. But the kid can fight. And so he finally got this opportunity, and it was a big stage. You know, that probably had something to do with it. But, you know, his glory was taken from him. And I just feel so bad for him, and he's broken. I I mean, he just can't believe. And he said, why? Why did this happen to me? I follow the rules. I've taken, you know, short money, no shortcuts. You know, why did this happen to me? And it, it's just been really, really sad. But, hey, before we move on to the main event, Jay, I do have to say, um, when we were talking about the DeGale Truax fight and you were saying that nobody was rooting for him, there was one person that I Ooh. really do remember that kept tweeting about this fight, 
kind of saying, you know, stop counting this guy out. And it was Ernie Gabon from Everlast. Go ahead, Ernie. So I, Go ahead, yeah, Everlast so, guy. <laughs> yeah, so he, he definitely did have it right. And, and, you know, after the fight, he was definitely um, kind of funny on Twitter because, yeah, everybody counted this guy out. Nobody gave him a chance. Everybody laughed at the matchup, and Ernie kind of knew it. Like, it was going to be a spoiler. So, shout out to Ernie well, for sure. Big up Ernie. Big right. up to Ernie. <laughs> Next time we see you in Vegas, we got a candy bag at the Raging Babe and Jay table with your name on it. <laughs> That's right. All right, moving on to the main event in Vegas. On HBO, we had Miguel Ramon. He defeated, stopped, and retired Ooh. Orlando Salido. I, you know, mm. I made it back to my room just in time from the garden to watch the main event. You know what? I got to say this about Salido. He was probably never, you know, top five pound for pound boxer. But you know what? He's a real fighter. And people love to watch yeah. him fight. And he's a bona fide thug. And, you know, he, he doesn't turn fights down. And he has big cojones. And he's made, some, mm-hmm. made for some really memorable fights. And he has some really impressive wins on his resume and you you can't knock him is he the most technically fundamentally sound fighter no but that's not what we want him to be that's right that's right yeah so Orlando it was a great fight all grit he's all grit he's all grizzly puts his heart on the line he takes welcomes all comers he comes and fights tough but sometimes the ring just catches up with you and I have a great appreciation for fighters like that who really commit their life and give their all there are very few fighters that I can think of that I've enjoyed during my years as a boxing fan, and I definitely count Orlando Salido among among them. Like you said, is he the most technical? Of course not, but that's not what we want. When you want that war, exciting fight, a guy who's going to come forward and give the, the the audience what they want, you gotta you gotta put Orlando Salido on that list. Yeah, for sure. You know, he was dropped three times in the fight. Andre Ward said it right. He said, look, you know, during our fighter meetings and while they were in Vegas, he looked tired. And he did. I mean, even at the weigh-in, if you watch the weigh-in, he kind of looked like an old man. You know, you could see it in his face where, you know, maybe he was saying the right things and going through the motions, but there's only so much, I think, that a fighter could take. And after the fight, he did say, you know, that's it. I'm done. I'm walking away. And uh, I hope he means it, you know, because there was some talks of him doing a Lomachenko rematch. And, yeah, that would be a great payday for him. But, you know, I, I think he's making the right decision here walking away. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because after a loss, that puts that rematch further out of his reach. And why take short money on other fights when you can just go out on your own terms? So yeah. thank you for what you've given us, Toledo. For real. All right, also Saturday night on ESPN from NYC, we had the big Lomachenko-Rigadal fight. Lomachenko retained his WBO junior lightweight title. It was not even close. Rigadal quit. Lomachenko completely outclassed him and took his heart. He literally took Rigo's heart. Lomachenko proving without a doubt that he's one of the most dominant fighters in the game. Made it look very easy. He did what he pleased. I really think Rigadal did the math after that point, you know, deduction. He did the math and was like, you know what? There's no way I'm going to come back. Ended up quitting in the sixth round. Jay, were you surprised when you saw that? I mean, what was your reaction? And the 2017 Tor Hamer Award goes to Guillermo Rigando. 
for all that talking, all that tweeting that everyone watched Rigondell do in social media about this fight to quit on your stool. Now, it's one thing if your opponent is battering your brains in and you are at risk of going into a coma or some debilitating injury. Nah, he just quit. Lomachenko was too much for him. He could not figure that out. We've been so we've seen so many years and so many comments. And I'm not even a, I'm not a Rigo hater like a lot of people are. And the Cuban School of Boxing and all of that, he finally met a more technical fighter who was able to just break his that was a will break. That wasn't even he didn't even really sustain that much damage. Yeah, he said he hurt his knuckle. Yeah, 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 cool. But that's not a career-ending injury, and it's not an injury that should prevent you from continuing on in the fight. Yes, I know I say that from the comfort of my home, sitting in my chair. But in my experience in fighters and seeing people fight with one arm, with broken hands, with broken noses, with orbital bone breakage, all of those things, for him to quit on his stool, he deserved mm. all this fine ether that social media is giving him today. He got ethered so bad, he had to take his little apology down. You know, um, I had tweeted this, but I was sitting next to Kelly Pavlik, and in the fifth round, I said, you know, Rigadell is so frustrated. I mean, you could read it all yeah. over his body, all over his face, things that he, and I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled a Nicholas Walters. And I said, I'm not surprised if you don't get up off his stool off the next round. And it happened in the sixth round, and we all kind of went crazy, like, oh, my God, like, he really did that. But, you know, that's what Lomachenko has been doing to these fighters is he's breaking them down mentally. He's frustrating them so much that they just don't know what to do. So he's not even really doing a lot of physical damage. Like, yeah, he's hitting them. Yeah, they're feeling it. But more than that, they are mentally distraught in the ring with, with yeah. him. They just don't know what yeah. to do. I mean, the guy, I love his footwork. He used his legs a lot, you know, and he's really strong. And, you know, yeah, Ricky Dad moved up two weight classes. I don't think that was a factor. I don't think he was nope. getting bullied. I don't think he was nope. getting beat up. I don't think Lomachenko was, like, really using his strength against him. I think Ricky Dow broke mentally. Like, he just knew mm-hmm. after that point deduction, like, yeah, you know what? Just what am I doing? I have no answers. I have no plan B. I have no plan C. You know what was the funny about that fight to me? And when you look at how thoroughly Lomachenko dominated Rigando, all I kept thinking was, this is a fight of two Olympians. And if any of you have watched, and I'm sure you do, you listen to the show and you're a fan of boxing, you've watched Olympic style fighting. And as with Olympic-style fighting, unless there's a KO, you can win the match on points. And it was like Lomachenko said, okay, Olympian, let's go win. I'm going to just tap you to death. Boom, 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 boom. I'm going to just batter you to death Olympian style. And he couldn't figure that out. Everything on Rigo's face when I saw him in that fight made me think he's going to cry when he get in the car. Because his face looks so devastated like someone took away his favorite toy he literally looked like he was gonna cry he looked like he aged another 10 years over the course of those five rounds Lomachenko beat him down he beat his will down because he had no real damage on him Lomachenko didn't even have to pull out his full power for that fight he was just so fast so quick so efficient and so will breaking it was like fighting a ghost yeah we might maybe we should start calling him the ghost 
Lomachenko's yeah. a real ghost because how do you hit a target you can't see? Uh, yeah, so, you know, Rigadell with the fake injury. Uh, Bob, 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 Arum, Bob Arum, after the fight on Lomachenko, says he'll take anybody. And he'll go to 135, maybe even 140 pounds. He'll make a joke out of Linares. He'll make a joke out of Mikey Garcia. The kid is special. Uh, he's going to do this to everybody. And he's like, so, you know, putting it out there, like he's going to break everybody down mentally where they either throw in the towel or they just quit. So let's talk about what's next for Lomachenko. When we look at 130 and 135, there's Javante Davis, there's Linares, there's Robert Easter, there's Mikey Garcia. Now here's the thing. Uh, most of them, all of them, except for Linares, are with Al Heyman. So a lot of those fights are really mm-hmm. unrealistic, you know. Uh, but I don't think any of them would stand a chance with Lomachenko. And I'm not the biggest Lomachenko fan. I have sometimes said, like, you know, he's not all that exciting, but he's special. He's definitely yes, he special. And what he's doing to these fighters, uh, it, it's, it's pretty new, you know. And uh, But, I, you know, I don't see Tank beating him. I don't see Linares beating him. I don't see Mikey Garcia beating Lomachenko. I just don't see it. Of all of those fights, of all those comp- uh, possible competitors against Lomachenko. Of all the people mentioned, the fight that would be most compelling to me is him against Tank. I think Mikey Garcia is just not going to go back all the way down to 130. Yes, Lomachenko said he would, is looking to move up and wait possibly in the future. I think he's a killer. He finishes cleaning out uh, 130. You know, why not? Do all of those fights before uh, moving up. The Mikey Garcia fight is compelled. I would love to see a fight against Javante Davis. That fight just is very interesting to me. Girl, it's bye. so different stylistically. <laughs> I mean, I know we ain't getting it, but stylistically, yeah. it's such a weird matchup that I'm just, oh, I'd have a fight party for that. I, I, I think the that. most possible fight that could happen would be Lomachenko and Linares. And I don't see it happening next or not even the next couple fights. But I think that's the one that probably could happen. And I want to see Top Rank and Golden Boy work more together. The only time they work together is if it's like a mandatory, you know, and it's just like, Mm -hmm. like you guys both have ESPN deals now so that there's no conflict with the network, you know. So I I really would love to see them um, make more fights together in 2018. You know, let's see how Matisse looks coming back. You know, why can't they yeah. make Crawford Matisse next year? There, there's some good fights there that could be made. I just I, I want these promoters to, like, really start working together more. But anyway, let's talk about Rigadell's future, if he <laughs> even has a future. You know, where does he go from here? Does he just retire, you know, like he retired on TV? What network would want to bring him on after Saturday night? What promoter would want to use him? At this point, mm-hmm. what what manager would want to manage him? And, you know, is, is this it for Rock Nation? I mean, that was like their last big name fighter. You know, are they going to exit the business now? I mean, what, where does Rock Nation go? I mean, everything has turned to shit for them. Miguel Cotto left. Andre Ward retired. You know, now look what happens to Rigadell. Where, where do these people go from here? They're cursed. Rock Nation is cursed, man. I, Rigando, well, first of all, I'm, let, let, take it back to Bob. I know when Bob dropped him, when he when they separated him from top rank, I know there was a lot of vitriol for 
for Bob Arum. And I'm sure Bob is looking at that fight Saturday night like, it's my birthday, and this is what y'all gave me on my birthday. This is amazing. As far as Rigando goes, he's gonna if he wants to continue fighting, he's going to have to do what he had been doing, taking the fights overseas, down in Asia. He fought down there a lot uh, in recent years because there's nobody who's going to want to watch that on TV. You quit on the stool and the fans, it doesn't matter who you are. If you quit on the stool, boxing fans will move swiftly and with accuracy and with deadly venom. Nobody wants to see anybody quit in a fight, period. So there's really nothing for him here. The one thing I did see that was very consistent throughout my timeline that night is that people really seem to miss Teddy Atlas on the broadcast, Mm -hmm. whether... You know, he's got a lot of passion, a lot of wit. Yes, he's crazy, but he is very knowledgeable and he's credible. And, you know, when he is on air, people, you know, tend to rip him and make jokes, but then he mm-hmm. wasn't part of the crew, and it seemed like a lot of people were missing him. How'd you feel, Jay? I feel the same way. Everybody complained, oh, my timeline, boxing, please, boxing Twitter, on Saturday night, you guys were a mess. You so whiny. Oh God, this sucks. It's so bad. Ugh. And then when <laughs> Teddy doesn't come on the, no Teddy on the screen. Where is Teddy? How many nights have we sat through Friday night fights and other ESPN broadcasts? They need to cut Teddy's mic off. He is too mm-hmm. old. He is see now. He is going off. Blah blah blah. You don't miss your water till your well runs dry. Teddy ain't that bad when the alternative is Stephen A. Smith and Mark Kriegel. No disrespect, uh, but boxing fans would just rather see, t- t- oh, you know, Tim, Tim Cool. We could rock with Tim. But, man, bring Teddy back. Teddy is a staple. If Teddy wants to leave ESPN, let him decide to leave ESPN. So, Well, word on the curve I mean, is that they are keeping him around. He's going to do some different things with the boxing series for ESPN. Um, so he's he's not completely gone, but he's just gone from the thank God from the broadcast team. Anyway, on the undercard, there was some developmental fights, and that's exactly what they were. Michael Conlon uh, improved to five and zero. He ended his knockout streak against a very overmatched guy. Shakur Stevenson fought an overmatched guy. He improved to four and zero. Michaela Mayer, she was actually in a really good competitive fight with this girl mm-hmm. from the Bronx. That went the distance. She got the win. Brian Jennings fought a kid from North Carolina. Uh, that was easy work for him. The co-feature was Chris Diaz, which he totally overpowered Brian Cruz, and he scored the third-round knockout TKO victory. It was a good showcase for Diaz. But, you know, these were all developmental fights, and they did what they were supposed to do. So right. um, that was pretty much it. That wraps up our fight recap. Jay, why don't we take – a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back with Jake's take, and we're going to talk about the magnitude of these ESPN ratings and how it translates. All right. John Francis Agency is comprised of dedicated insurance professionals who manage risk, protect wealth, and cater to clients' personal and business needs. We offer disability coverage for boxers as well as life and liability insurance. Career-ending injury insurance along with illness insurance is also offered through our agency. For more information, please visit us online at johnfrancisagency.com or call us today at 732-497-9624. John Francis Agency, our daily grind is protecting your wealth. 
Any vehicle, any age, any mileage. With Nationwide Auto Warranties, you will stop paying unexpected costly repair bills and let an extended auto warranty pay. Go to NationwideAutoWarranties.com for an instant email quote or call 1-866-352-4999 for a free no-obligation phone quote. So stop paying and let Nationwide Auto Warranties get you your coverage today. Again, that number is 1-866-352-4999 or visit NationwideAutoWarranties.com. You're rocking with the morning punching show with RB and J, and now it's time for Jake's take. It's too lit this morning, child. I almost forgot your drop. I was watching my time like, damn, people are really tuned in this morning. Good morning, Jake. Did we do Jake? He was there. Okay, okay I'm gonna go. mute him again. There we go. Jake. There he goes. There he goes. Oh, okay. He... Yeah, because I oh, was gonna good. tell all of Twitter to start at you and spam you to death. Good morning, Jake. Wait, let me give it to you one more time. Yeah, I was um, doing those. I was helping out the Swanson team. 
and I, I did what I was told. And poor Stephen Fulton. I mean, it's the biggest one of the guy's career. And he thinks he's being interviewed on TV. And, you know, PBC decided, you know, that tonight was supposed to go another way. But I, I'm just going to leave that in the past because we had so much else to, to focus on this weekend. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. But, uh, RB, I appreciate you uh, talking me through that the whole night, though. It was. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. All right, well, let's, let's get to Jake's take. So we want to talk yes. about with you today, Jake, the ESPN ratings, the magnitude of how this translates to different fighters' appeal, the audience that's growing, the commitment yes. that it's going to take to keep this thing going. Talk to us about, about this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what we saw was the power of promotion. I mean, ESPN was all the way into this fight. It was featured throughout fight week more so than any other top-ranked show with the exception of Pacquiao Horn. So when ESPN is all the way behind a product, guess what? People are going to tune in just out of, you know, morbid curiosity. And the audience grew as the night went along, which I liked, because the last show, they made such a big deal about, oh, you know, they had the second-highest-rated fight of the year. But it was better be than calling that god-awful late heavyweight fight instead of Ramirez and Reed. And Ramirez is the far bigger drawing. He's the guy that everyone should have been watching. And my take was, if we're mm-hmm. truly growing the audience, why isn't Ramirez a bigger attraction than Betavia? So this time mm-hmm. around, the audience, I mean, the beginning of the show, it got the nice lead-in from, you know, whatever ESPN on had before it. But the really good news is that the audience not only stayed throughout the broadcast, but it grew once Lomachenko got into the ring. And I don't, I don't like the overnight ratings because it, it never seems to properly translate to when the true ratings come out. But from what I'm seeing, it's about a little more than 60% of the audience that Pacquiao Horn had. So if that's the case, we're looking at about 1.8, maybe 1.9 million viewers tuning in for Lomachenko and Rigondeaux, which is, I mean, that's outstanding news for boxing. That's, this is like the first time, like, okay, you know, Bob's move to bring in all these guys to ESPN and paid off. Because Lomachenko's last fight, I'm like, well, for the numbers they produce, and even Crawford and Dongo, I, I felt like both of those fights, you know, they probably would have got the same number on HBO. This is one where it's like, I don't know if HBO would have been able to drive this fight the way ESPN did. So. I'm glad to see that, and hopefully there's going to be more of that to come. Looking at the schedule for 2018, uh, the two big dates they got is February 3rd, which is the, Super, uh, the eve of the Super Bowl, and then March 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day, and you know Conlon's going to be on that card. It's uh, uh, Ramirez and Amon. They're going to be fighting in New York, as far as I know. So those are two dates that they're hot TV time. Uh, March 17th, they'll be keep competing against um, NCAA basketball, but it's still a sport, active sports weekend, and especially February 3rd, you know, uh, I think some people, it's like they get Super Bowl overload, they're going to want to watch anything other than, you know, football coverage. So mm-hmm. I really like that they're having a show on that weekend. So th- those are two really huge opportunities to really make a statement uh, as far as boxing goes. Also, they're talking about transitioning to ABC. I'm sorry. But they're talking yeah. about, you know, finally putting fights on ABC. So this is where boxing finally gets to grow in 2018. They're going to capitalize on the momentum they gained in 2017. Who do you think is going to fight on that Super Bowl weekend? Because that is a great weekend for boxing. I, I've asked around. At, originally, I think it was supposed to be Ramirez and Imam for the, um, the vacant Super Lightweight title, but apparently that got moved to March 17th. So all I, all I got was, yes, we're still doing a show on February 3rd. Um, I, I haven't heard any real whispers as to who's going to be on the show or even where it's going to take place. But... Well, okay, so I hate to be the one to pop the bubble, Jake, but the mm-hmm. two highest ESPN shows were Pacquiao Horn, yep. correct, and Lomachenko Rigadal. Yes. So in, the, in Pacquiao Horn, we saw a terrible decision, terrible mm-hmm. scorecards, robbery. 
Lomachenko, Rigadal, we saw a fighter quit on TV. Like the two <laughs> highest rated shows right. had yeah. a bad decision and a fighter quit. That's not cute. Right. It, it's not at all. And people always try to say, oh, this is, you know, this event is going to kill boxing. They always talk about that. But, I mean, if Horn Pacquiao didn't truly deter people from watching boxing on ESPN, I, I don't think anything else is going to happen. Well, I'm sorry. I want to make one quick point on Rigondeaux, and then I'll get back to this. But everyone's mm-hmm. mad that the way he quit. I'm not going to say his career is over, but we saw Tevin Farmer who gave – he wasn't 100%, but he gave 100% of what he had. The guy just overcame, you know, getting shot in the hand. So he didn't yeah. use that as an excuse right. in his fight. And they still robbed, robbed him. Stephen Smith was willing to continue until they told him, no, you can't fight with half an ear. So you know, I, I totally understand why people were so mad at Rigondeau. Uh, even if he did hurt his hand, it's disgusting that the fight played out that way. And that Rock Nation, you know, just their non-promoting company was just, you know, behind this mess. So you can't make the excuse that it was two weight classes below. You, you negotiated the fight. You called for the fight on Twitter. You got what you asked for. So no sympathy there. That said, um, a lot of people kind of saw that outcome coming just because Lomachenko is that special. So once the fight was made, they said, yes, we got a history-making fight, two, two-time Olympic gold medalist. But it's mm-hmm. still, you know, Lomachenko is just, he's so much bigger. And even if they were equal in talent, I mean, the size is going to matter. And to his credit, Lomachenko even said, well, I beat up, you know, Rigondeaux, he's not in my weight class. He didn't put a lot behind that win. He, I, I guess he's just trying to completely dismiss Rigondeaux, not necessarily how small he is, but just saying it was another win to him. But it really wasn't. People are gravitating to Lomachenko, and he's going to be a big mm-hmm. deal in 2018. So that's really what I look forward to. Not so much the controversy. No, it's not a good look, but there's always bad stuff that's going on with boxing. People, well, When Lomachenko fights, people want to see what's next for him. That's the really good news. Well, people are asking us why we aren't bashing Rigadown more. And I'm like, can we focus on the good that right. Lomachenko did? Like, yeah, we could focus on right. Rigadown quitting, and we could bash him all day. But let's exactly. talk about what Rigadell did and his performance and how special that was and what he's doing to these fighters. And yeah. let, let's talk about the positive in this fight, too. Let's not take away this kid's ability and his performance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that always seems to be boxing's tendency is just to always focus on the negative. Like, you guys brought it up before. Teddy Atlas wasn't on the broadcast. And it's like we have, uh, you know, a historic fight, and people, all they're talking about is, oh, my God, Teddy Atlas isn't on the broadcast. Maybe I'm in the minority. I was kind of glad they removed him. I'm not the biggest fan of anyone that was calling the fight. I'm, st- I'm going to lobby for Christina Poncho to be on ESPN for, until they finally make it happen or they you mm-hmm. know, throw me six feet under. But in the meantime, we're stuck with the team we got. And it wasn't great, but the last show that Teddy was on was just such a mess. I mean, they had to make this move. They had to make any move because it was just so dysfunctional the last time out. I, I would think stuff like that would deter fans away from the sport more so than you know, the controversies we see in the ring. We're always going to see bad calls in football and basketball. You know, the strike zone's always going to be strange in baseball. But, you know, fans are always going to tune into the game. But, you know, when the commentators just, you know, make complete shtick out of it, that's the stuff that's, that's going to stick with them more so than the stuff that actually goes on, you know, in the ring or on the field. So yeah. I was kind of glad that change came. Like I said, you know, Tessitore, Kriegel, if that's the team, you know, they need to gel more, they need to get better. But I, I'm going to hold out hope for that. I'm not going to sit here and cry that we lost Teddy. I mean, you know, Teddy's just been a mess for years, so I know he has a big following, but <laughs> a lot of people say, oh, well, Teddy's gone. You know, these guys aren't going to bring in the ratings. Well, guess what? We just got the second highest rated cable fight of 2017, so you're dead wrong if that was your take. Yeah. Well, hopefully the ESPN series keeps growing, the ratings keep yeah. growing, we get good matchups. I mean, so far, you know, I don't <laughs> know if we've seen any shit shows, but... 
And it is going to take commitment, as we talked about earlier, from ESPN and from Top right. Rank and, you know, from Golden Boy. They have their own ESPN deal, and it's going to take a really big commitment uh, to really grow this thing. Uh, well, I have a question I, about I that, RB, if I could yeah. jump in with that. Mm-hmm. What, how is it, what is Top Rank? Top Rank seems to be getting it right when it comes to putting these shows on ESPN, whereas Golden Boy started off strong and they've kind of uh, gotten a little bit off the path in these most recent fights. What is Golden Boy, in your opinion, Jake, what are they not getting right that Top Rank is? All right. Well, with the Golden Boy series, it's really – I don't see any difference between Golden Boy's deal with ESPN and what PBC had. To me, they're both just, you know, the straight um, time buys. Yeah. Golden Boy show is not on ESPN's budget. If they're not buying the time, then it's just being four walls. But there's no real commitment on ESPN's part. All they're doing is saying, okay, here's your time slot that your fights are on. That's it. And with any output deal, no promoter is really going to be that motivated to put forth the best product. We're never going to see Canelo Alvarez on ESPN until ESPN is kicking in some money to get them on the air. So Golden Boy's just giving us, you know, it's the same mm-hmm. thing from, you know, the stuff we saw on, on Estrella TV. So I, I think yeah. in the heart, Golden Boy's trying to make fun matchups. They've, they've always, you know, they love, you know, Don Char- uh, Eric Gomez, he always said his, his idol is Don Chaldron's, and he tries to make the fun matchups, you know, like once they get in the ring, fans are going to be entertained from bell to bell. Right. But it's also resulting in gross mismatches, dangerous mismatches too. So that's, something that needs to be really careful of. I, to me, it's just boxing on air. I'm not offended by really what Golden Boy is doing because it's not take, taken away from anything else that anyone else is trying to do. So with top ranks, is more of a responsibility because ESPN, as we saw all through last week, ESPN is invested at least on the promotional side, not on the financial side. Mm-hmm. But they are presenting this. They're making sure that their viewers are tuning in. They're giving top rank a platform to grow their product. So that's why Top Rank really has to be more responsible. And I'm going to say this. I'm sorry. Let me, I just need to get this out. Uh-huh. The fan in me does want to see better matchups. I don't think we're going to get better, much better than what we're getting. Because if you look at the September 22nd show, to me, that was the best card they've had all year in terms of ring entertainment. Valdez, Savania, and um, Gilberto Ramirez and Jesse Hart. It was also the lowest rated show they've had all year, too. So fans aren't necessarily going to tune in just because they think the fights are going to be explosive. They want a great storyline. ESPN wants that great storyline. So I think that's what we're going to keep getting in 2018. I'm going to wrap up this segment mm-hmm. by saying, I, you know, we go to a lot of shows and we see different productions. And in my opinion, nobody does a show like Top Rank. I'm Agreed. sorry when it comes to production, when it comes to class, when it comes to just attentiveness. And, I, mean, every, I mean, the lighting and the music, and the, it's an event. If you go to a top-ranked show, you feel the difference immediately. You know, the, the way that their staff interacts with people, they're a machine. They really are. And they don't have a staff of, like, 30 people. You know, they have a small staff. They get it done. It, it's just Saturday night felt so special. Yeah, I can't describe it. The, the lighting and everything, I just thought, wow, you know, they're still a machine. And they're using this series to develop their fighters to get them mm-hmm. exposure. A lot of people were mad that Shakur Stevenson was on TV, that Michael Conlon got on TV against overmatched guys. Yes, I could understand that, but they got the lead in from the Heisman show, which was huge for those kids. How many fighters out there that are way bigger than Shakur Stevenson wish that they would get that type of visibility, you know? And then by the end of the show, the audience grew, 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 grew. By the time we got the Lomachenko. So, look, Top Rank knows what they're doing. Everybody was having a meltdown. Why are we, why are we watching Shakur? 
Why are we watching Michael Conlon? Shouldn't this be Lomachenko? Now, I think other people know more than us. But anyway, um, Jake, we're going to wrap you up because we want to get through our In Case You Missed This segment. But thank you so much, as always, and make it a great week. All right. Thank you both always for having me on. It's always my favorite part. All right. All right. Love you. See ya. For all the latest news, interviews, and boxing schedules, visit BoxingInsider.com, providing readers with everything from the latest fight schedules to interviews with your favorite boxers. BoxingInsider.com has you covered from top to bottom. BoxingInsider.com is looking for new writers. Think you have what it takes to join the team? Submit your articles to our team at info at BoxingInsider.com. Visit BoxingInsider.com today, the only boxing website where you become the fifth man in the corner. Are you an entrepreneur looking to find out where to start or develop a business plan? Are you looking to start a business or grow your business revenue? Are you a business owner that needs fresh new ideas or needs to solve challenges with strategy, marketing, or process? Red Beach Advisors is a management consulting group focused on helping entrepreneurs, startups, and companies build, grow, and scale. Contact Red Beach Advisors at info at redbeachadvisors.com or 424-247-6143. Red Beach Advisors helps companies build, grow, and scale through strategy, process, systems, and people. We are the experts. Contact us at 424-247-6143 or www.redbeachadvisors.com. Woo! All right. A busy, busy weekend in boxing, huh, RB? We are at the 50-minute mark. It took us a while because we had a lot of fights to get through today. Yeah, and Jake's take is always so informative, and I love his topics because we can go so deep with them every week. So shout out to Jake. I love doing our Jake's take segment. Anyway, let's do some in case you missed it. Um, If you've been lost in the sauce, you don't know what's going on, we're going to bring you up to speed. Jay, kick it off. What's going on in Boston? Let's start off with, as we know, Anthony Joshua, the WBA IBS heavyweight champion is closing in on a deal with Joseph Parker, who is the WBO champ. So keep your eye out for that fight if it hasn't been made already. Also, there have been reports that have been surfacing of Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao has said this stuff itself, that he's been talking to Conor McGregor about making a fight with him, and he's cool with it if Conor McGregor wants to do it. Well, Bob Arum ain't cool with it, and Dana White ain't cool with it. Bob Arum calls the reports rubbish, and Dana White says if they have been talking, then he's going to sue whoever's representing him because they have an exclusive deal with Conor McGregor. So they might want to chill out down there because Dana's not with the shits, and I believe him. Also, and in case you missed it, news, David Hay versus Tony Bellew rematch that had been called off has been rescheduled for May 5th at the O2 Arena in England. The original fight was supposed to happen this month on the 17th, I believe, but it was scrapped after David Hay suffered a torn bicep in training. He had to have surgery. The surgery has been successful, so they will face off again this May if you were missing that fight. Also, shout out to Zab Judah. Reports surfaced this week that he is now working at an adult daycare facility and uh, helping to teach a nursing assistant class by night. You control Zab all you want. I think that's dope. Sometimes you have to move on to other things. And I know one thing, I bet his family has some medical insurance, which is something that a lot of people don't have these days. So shout out to that. Mm-hmm. Also happening, in case you missed it, Kel Brook will be returning to the ring on March 2018. Kel Brook has been out of the ring since he lost against Errol Spence Jr. And the last thing I remember seeing with Kel Brook besides the Spence fight with him, acting, reports of him acting a fool on a commercial flight 
and being drunk. So shout out to Kel Brook. Welcome back to the ring in March. Opponent has yet to be named. Also across the pond, Tyson Fury, who's been popping up in social media again, working out, saying he wants to make a comeback. He has to first get past the UKAD. He is at risk of receiving a four-year ban depending on the outcome of this hearing uh, after being charged with a failure to provide a sample last September. So he has to get through this hearing in order to get his license back to box. There were reports this morning that he didn't show up for the hearing and he was posting videos like a thought on Instagram singing to Adele or whatever he was singing in the car. But I think he made it there and he's encouraging the board to do the right thing. So we'll see what happens with Tyson Fury. Uh, in serious news, please keep in your prayer super middleweight Eric Scoglin. He was placed into a medically induced coma he suffered a bleed on the brain while he was training. He just fought in the World Boxing Super Series against Callum Smith. He underwent surgery after being in the gym. He was complaining that he wasn't feeling well while he was training in Sweden. And so, like I've mentioned, he was put in a medically induced coma. So make sure that you keep him in your prayers and that he emerges mm. uh, successfully from his surgery. Bringing Jay, back uh, the light, uh, Jay, too, in case on, you missed out. it. And we're still across the pond. England is lit. Can you hear me? RB, did I lose you? Yes, I'm here. Uh, I'm, okay. Uh, I can hear I, you. I think, I think that that super middleweight, I think he ended up passing away. Uh, I'm, ge- I'm going to check more up on that. The guy that you just talked about that suffered oh, no. the, the brain bleed um, and was put in a coma, I'm pretty sure that he did pass away. I'm going to follow up on that. Oh, no, I hope that's, oh, Lord. I hope that's, please let me know what happened with that. I first came across that story uh, courtesy of Behind the Gloves, and, oh, Lord, that is awful. It's too many of these young guys that are passing away, and what's, maybe it's because we didn't have social media then. I don't know why we are seeing so many more of these injuries now compared in earlier years. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Jay, since I've known you, doesn't it seem like this is all happening like right now? I mean, let's let's go back four years ago. I mean, this wasn't really prevalent, right? I mean, we didn't hear about a lot of fighters being put in induced comas or dying. I mean, it, it seems to like really be happening a lot more often. Uh-oh, I think we lost her. think that Jay just got kicked off. I am going to uh, continue on with our In Case You Missed It segment. Superfly 2 has been set for Saturday, February 24th at the Forum in LA. That's going to be a good one. Advanced tickets go on sale tomorrow at 12 p.m. Pacific time, and you can purchase them at Ticketmaster.com or at the Forum box office. The WBC is investigating Adonis Stevenson and his lack of mandatories. At the moment, Um, Alvarez has been the mandatory challenger, but he's been that for about two years, and the fight's not happening. There's been a bunch of step-aside deals. There's been other fights that have been ordered through ranked fighters, and they're just not happening. So the WBC is investigating that. That'll be interesting to see what they come up with. Um, It was also revealed that the WBO um, has a request in from top rank, and they want Alexander... 
I can't pronounce his last name, Gazovic, to become the mandatory challenger for Sergey Kovalev. So that would be an interesting fight, being though that both of them are managed by Igas Clinis. Also, Oscar De La Hoya told Oye Deportes that Canelo Golovkin 2 is very, very close to being finalized. And Demetrius Andre discontinued his lawsuit against Rock Nation. And that is all I have. Jay, are you back? I am back. And right. I heard you about Demetrius Andre. We'll see what happens with him. A little bit of funny news. You know on this show we like to talk about Amir Khan. And Amir Khan has been on I'm a Celebrity Get You Out of Here. Sad to report for those of you who've been watching, he has been eliminated from the show. So don't cry. Well, cry and dry your tears. So he's been eliminated from the show. But the comedy about this elimination is reports are that Khan couldn't remember his daughter's birthday. Like when they're doing these confessionals where everybody's in a group hanging out, they asked him when his daughter's birthday was, and the man could not tell them when his daughter's birthday. He only got one child. He got one on the way, and he couldn't remember his kid's birthday. And he went so far as to tell the people that, Talking to people in a group setting instead of being on his. Oh, boy. I think it kicked her off again. (laughs) We are having some technical difficulties today. Hopefully we're still live until we get Jay back. I'm going to go into word on the curb. Don't have a lot, but listen close. So here we go. Lomachenko, uh, if everything went well on Saturday night, which it did against Rigadell, they were really, really high on making the Salido rematch. But now that is no mas because Salido called it an end. So we're probably not going to get that rematch. Horn versus Crawford, it's most likely going to go down March or April in Las Vegas. A lot of people thought it was going to go to Australia, more money, yada, yada. But it looks like it's going to come back. Another word on the curb tidbit, Mikey Garcia versus Lipinets is now a major, major possibility on Showtime. So you heard that here. Benavidez Graville 2 will likely fall on January 28th. And that will also go on Showtime. Danny Garcia versus Brandon Rios is back in play if not almost definite for early 2018, it's pretty much a done deal. However, there are really serious talks about Danny Garcia versus Broner next year. Not next, but that is a fight that the PBC really wants to make next year. Adonis Stevenson versus Badu Jack is very, very close to being formally announced. And that is all I have for word on the curb. So Garcia Lipinets is probably who we're going to see Mikey Garcia fight next. So heard it here. Uh, that's the word on the curb. Hoping to get Jay back. If not, I'm going to go right into the weekend fight schedule. This Wednesday, December 13th from Australia on ESPN, we have Jeff Warren versus Gary Korkorotkin. I'm so bad with pronunciations. We always say we're going to prep, and I don't. Thursday, December 14th from Indio, California on ESPN, Diego De La Hoya versus Jose Salgado. They are keeping De La Hoya very active. I believe this is like his fifth fight of the year. That's the way to do it. From Lancaster, California, Jesse Vargas versus Aaron Herrera. And Saturday, December 16th, from Quebec, Canada, we're going to have David Lemieux versus Billy Joe Saunders. That should be a good one. So that's it for today. It is 9 a.m. Pacific time. We are going to wrap up. We are at the hour. 
Today's show is brought to you by TheBoxingInsider.com, John Francis Agency, Porter High Performance Center, Nationwide Auto Warranties.com, War Tape Brand, Red Beach Advisors, and AceRevealWild.com. Make sure you visit BadCulture.net, BlackSportsOnline.com. We appreciate you guys for listening today. Jay, sorry that you're having all these technical difficulties today, but we love you, girl. Catch us every Monday morning from 8 to 9. Have a good day. Thanks for making us part of your day. We're out.